and welcome to Gender Sexuality School. I'm Tara Goldstein, and we're podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Today, we are interviewing Christopher Campbell from the Faculty of Education, University of Winnipeg. Chris is the Research Program Coordinator of the RISE Project. RISE is an acronym for Respect, Inclusion, Safety, equity, and the project consists of several large-scale national research studies that have helped build inclusive and welcoming schools for sexual and gender minority students and their parents. The latest RISE project is about best practices in LGBTQ inclusion teacher education in Canadian universities. The last time Christopher was interviewed on our podcast was four years ago. It was season two in December 2019. At that time, Chris was joined by the lead researcher, Professor Catherine Taylor, and they talked about the early days of the RISE Teacher Education Project and discussed their goals for the project. Today, Chris is back to give us an update on the progress of the project. Christopher, welcome back to Gender Sexuality School. We're excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and I've been looking forward to this since the last time. <laughs> Wonderful. So to begin our podcast today, let's review the goals of the RISE Teacher Education Project. The last time you were here, the project had already completed a review of scholarly writing about which practices are particularly effective at querying teacher education and had hosted a teacher education summit to consult with LGBTQ teacher education scholars and review which practices are particularly effective at querying teacher education. We remember that the next step the project was about to embark on was to develop a framework for LGBTQ inclusive teacher education that included both practices for queering and indigenizing mandatory curriculum, as well as practices for creating new specialized elective courses around gender, sexuality, and schooling. Did the goals change? Has the framework been completed? What would you say is the current moment in the project? Yeah, the current moment, that's a great framing uh, for the whole project. Um, so thanks for, uh, for recounting all that. Um, I was thinking through all of those pieces this morning um, and, uh, and uh, sort of tracking back the progress um, and everything that we've done. And it's been a, it's been a long, um, and wonderful journey to get uh, to this place where we're at now. So where are we at now is uh, that we've completed the curriculum frameworks. Uh, we're, we've sort of framed them as uh, curriculum modules or potential places um, to enter into this work. Um, and we've developed a website um, that houses all of this stuff together, which is riseproject.ca. So I encourage everyone to go and take a look at it. Um, we are uh, officially launching in just a couple days, but I think by the time this comes out, it's probably already launched, so that's great. Um, and you can find out uh, everything you need to know uh, on that website. But um, for now, I'll, I will say that we've got uh, curriculum modules for um, some of the core education courses that we've identified for Bachelor of Education or Teacher Education programs. Um, and those include uh, several modules on uh, some of the methods courses. Um, that uh, that address K twelve um, 
subject areas. Um, so we have things like arts and music, English language, uh, English language arts, uh, mathematics, phys ed, science, um, all these kind of areas that get covered in schools. So that's part of uh, this curriculum framework as well, as well as for all those core teacher education courses, um, like classroom management, educational foundations, um, childhood development, um, indigenous perspectives on education, um, all these all these various aspects. So we're thrilled um, to have been able to spend spend time developing those course modules uh, and the content for them. So interesting. So the first question I have is, can you give us some examples of the things that teachers might do in the subject matter courses? If I were an English teacher, what kinds of things are you suggesting um, teachers think about when they begin teaching English? Same thing maybe for math or science. Yeah, this is a, a great question and basically the foundation of the work. Um, so it gives me a chance to sort of summarize in, in some useful ways. Um, so a few a few things that uh, immediately come to mind is uh, is one sort of inclusion and representation, uh, just making sure to include texts, um, include books, include examples uh, that represent to us LGBTQ people. Um, and then a second to that, uh, helping to foster sort of a critical engagement with those texts. Um, and texts, I mean broadly here, um, I, <laughs> in a sort of a cultural studies uh, sense of the word text, um, that is, is sort of any content that we're, we're offering um, into these spaces. Um, but uh, bringing that critical lens uh, to text as well, so thinking about how representation happens, uh, who gets a say, what, uh, how do they figure in stories, how do they figure in examples, um, are they treated as exceptions um, or as, um, you know, like just people, <laughs> uh, people that are exist in the world. Um, and so those are some of the, the earlier initial things that you can think about. Um, and then in the framework as well, we go um, a little further, we sort of nudge into different areas about thinking like how can queer theory or how can uh, a queering approach, I'll put queering, queering approach in, in brackets because um, it, it is not a monolithic thing. There's multiple ways that it can happen and gets enacted in classrooms. But when I think about um, a queering, a, um, queering content or queering uh, subject matter, I think about where where's the limits of uh, what is traditionally considered to be knowledge. So how can we think beyond the limits um, of what gets handed down to us as um, as the content area that we're talking about. Um, and how are the ways that we talk about that stuff um, sort of develop normative boundaries around them um, or conventions around the way that we talk about things? So I'll give you a quick example, maybe uh, from mathematics, <laughs> that we think about mathematics. Um, and often the, one of the initial things we think about is who gets to do mathematics? Um, and who gets represented in those? Um, often there's this this um, this uh, sort of mythological or stereotypical idea about a, a mathematician as being white and sitting alone with a chalkboard, um, or working through problems that are extremely abstract. Um, and this is the way that we we think about math in some ways. It just sort of like gets triggered in our minds that that's that's what math is. So thinking beyond those boundaries, thinking about different kinds of representation of math, even thinking about um, something like manufacturing textiles um, or making clothes, um, that all involves math. 
measuring, making sure you got the seams right, lining it up, making sure that you're not wasting material. All these kinds of things might factor into it. And thinking about math as an applied thing and the way this gets applied changes uh, in some ways who we can think about when we think about uh, math. It's not limited to that, of course. Um, and uh, the stereotypical thing that comes to mind of um, sort of a white man sitting and working through problems on a chalkboard. Um, there are black women that work through problems on chalkboards as well, and indigenous people that do this. Um, so it's thinking about all those kinds of things and sort of questioning um, sort of the assumptions that get made around disciplinary boundaries uh, and the way things get applied and enacted. You mentioned um, Indigenous people also do math, of course, and I was interested in knowing how um, you are thinking about what it means to Indigenize the curriculum. So part of it is representation, who is doing what in, in the curriculum, but are there other things that you've been uh, thinking about in terms of not only queering, but Indigenizing the curriculum as well? That's a great question, and uh, it reminds me I might have got ahead of myself in uh, in talking about some of these things, um, because in uh, in developing the Rise project and um, thinking through um, what was required in teacher education courses, we realized that there is there's a few different approaches that are sort of fundamental here, um, and I will get to this indigenizing um, or indigiquering um, teacher education. Um, that's sort of the um, the trajectory I'm taking here, but um, these frameworks that we were thinking about, um, a lot of what we were seeing in, in various interventions is sort of anti-homophobia, anti-biphobia, anti-transphobia. And these are good essential practices um, because they address safety and they they ensure sort of that that baseline of um, of safety and well-being um, in learning spaces. Um, but if we stop there, we're missing a whole bunch of things. Um, and I think we know this. I think you've uh, probably talked about it a lot on this podcast. Um, and uh, so there's a need to go beyond those things. So some of the early uh, interventions uh, focused on those areas, and rightly so. Um, and then I think there's inclusion models that um, take the sense of like, okay, let's let's add queer content in here. Let's add some trans content in here. Let's expand um, what can happen in classrooms. Um, and even those are limited in certain ways. They're really useful. And the examples I was just giving sort of are more of that approach. Um, and then we thought, okay, we can go beyond that as well because the limitation of an inclusive model is that it's somewhat assimilationist in character. Um, it just supposes there's nothing wrong with the system as it exists. And we just need to make space for queer and trans people to exist in that space um, in safe ways. Uh, but it doesn't transform the school cultures or learning cultures um, that we have. Um, and that's a bit more where we're moving towards and thinking about queering, um, queering education and queering practices. Um, and uh, indigiquering approaches to education, this was uh, an early objective for the RISE project and really emerged uh, from the work and insights of Dr. Alex Wilson, um, who was uh, part of this research team. And uh, we began to articulate these um, in this form during our research project. And this is sort of stepping um, or taking querying approaches, but taking it even further to step outside sort of um, like a settler colonial mindset um, about what educational objectives would be. Um, and this work, I will 
say, is still in the process of being developed for um, for our modules. There's some content that we have that addresses this piece. Um, we have a sort of a short statement on the website that talks about um, what's in development and what we're doing. Um, and there's uh, there's some content in our modules that addresses this, um, as there are for all four of the sort of the paradigms that I just talked about or approaches that I just talked about. Um, but really, in DigiQuering approaches, I guess, we're grand indigenous knowledges and understandings of sexuality and gender within the context of education and uh, they're related to these traditions of indigenous cultures lands, spiritualities communities um, relationships the interconnections between those things and it really is trying to to recognize that something different needs to happen um, beyond that goes beyond the settler uh, colonial mindset um, and yeah, I, uh, maybe that's enough said. <laughs> well, we must have you back to talk about uh, your continued work on um, indigenizing and querying the curriculum, because it sounds as if there is more to come. And it sounds very exciting. Let me ask you, Chris, the uh, website's going to be launched very soon. Do you have plans for the launch? And the second part of the question is, how are you going to um, let educators, teachers know about this wonderful resource? So what's going to happen with the launch and how are you going to begin to um, connect everyday teachers to this fabulous work? Great question, and one that we've been discussing a lot in the last few days. Here, um, we are. We were talking about different uh, different ways that we could go about this, and we thought probably the best way, the way because this project was conceived as approaching teacher education, um, in particular, and faculties of education and and um, uh, professors, people that work in and and um, work in teacher education fields. Uh, we thought maybe the best way to do this is just to do that direct direct outreach thing. Um, so we're planning to do um, a whole bunch of mailings uh, on the sort of the day that we've chosen to launch this thing. Um, and we're going to be reaching out to our networks, um, some of our uh, stakeholder groups that we have relationships with. So things like Canadian Teachers Federation, some of the unions um, and teacher organizations that, um, that have supported this work um, all along the way. We're going to reach out to some of the uh, professional organizations for teacher educators. So that's things like uh, Canadian Society for Studies in Education, um, Queer Studies uh, in Education uh, in Canada. I think that's the acronym. Um, and yeah, and do some of that direct outreach to them. Um, and then encourage that they reach out to their networks as well. And the goal will be um, that this will sort of find its way in the world. Um, and I will... Um, promoted every chance I get on uh, podcasts uh, <laughs> and all the conversations and teachings that I get to do. It occurs to me that one of the um, more powerful ways to make sure all this beautiful work gets out is to encourage uh, teacher educators themselves to begin to experiment with it in their own um, classrooms. Do you have access to a community of teacher educators and um, have there been any discussions about people uh, beginning to work with the um, with the framework, with the materials on the website and kind of coming back to uh, talk about what's working and what, what might um, need uh, to be thought through a little more? 
absolutely, that has been uh, sort of an open question for us. Um, and part of that is just the uh, the limitations of uh, of funding. So uh, I am um, currently a PhD candidate um, at the University of Manitoba, um, and I've got some some great supporters, some great connections there. So certainly there, there'll be a few um, what homegrown or um, organic connections that are immediately um, apparent. Um, and uh, some of those networks, communities of practice that I'll be able to plug into um, right away, um, as well as those of the research team itself. We've got, uh, I think there's five people on the research team um, that we're, uh, we're going to be rolling this thing out with. So um, we're excited to be doing that and to be having those conversations. I would love to be able to continue this work, uh, and I'm looking forward to ways to do it. Um, so uh, Alex Wilson and uh, I believe Lucy Fowler, um, who's at the University of Manitoba, I think are going to be carrying forward with the indigiquering um, portion of this work. Um, and so they'll be developing that further. Um, and so when the time comes, uh, it may be them that uh, get to sit here and, and speak with you about it. And part of that is going to be, um, or at least was early on conceived as being, potentially a portal um, where people can um, upload or talk about um, content that they have developed and how it's working. Um, this would primarily be for Indigenous educators and those, um, those that want to learn with Indigenous educators. Um, and then the other side is that in the current form that we have, we've got a contact form. We really were thinking about uh, I know that doesn't sound like much. Uh, I'm aware of the limitations of a contact form. Uh, I'll preface this. <laughs> um, but as we were thinking about what gets to happen here, um, we were thinking that queer inclusive, queer expansive education in the way that we have sort of conceived it for this, um, this project um, is continually evolving. Um, as I was uh, working through a lot of the stuff, um, in the last couple of days, getting us prepped for the launch, uh, there was a few things that I tweaked uh, as I went because I thought, okay, when we, um, in the process of writing this, maybe practices have changed, new things have come out, um, and I cannot keep up with all of it, nor can the research team. We're, we're con constantly doing this practice thing, which is exactly what you're talking about. This is your exact question. How did this, how did this work? <laughs> um, and so we we conceived of this really as a starting point. Like here's some possible intervention points, some possible um, things to think through as you're trying to do this work. Um, recognizing that it's gonna play itself out in different ways as it should. Um, every classroom is gonna be different. The conversations that you have are gonna be different. Um, and we love um, thinking through those things. Those are ex the exciting possibilities um, for me as as an educator um and hopefully for all educators um that it's that rubber meets the road moment um that that matters um and so really in a lot of ways that contact form is a uh, piece what did we miss <laughs> well how did this work what's going on here um and my my long-term hopes and dreams I will talk about very briefly is that hopefully I will be able to get a moment um, or able to get a position coming out of my PhD, have a have a place where I will be able to situate uh, myself in doing this work carrying forward. We've also got the rest of the team like these folks are doing this work all the time. We've got Chris Wells, who's um, sort of taken on stewardship of this. And we've also got Alex Wilson, who's carrying forward this work. It does so much and it's so incredible. And I um, 
I still have an academic crush on Alex Wilson. Um, and we've got uh, Lisa Lotzenheiser um, at UBC. Um, they're doing incredible work all the time. Um, and so uh, hopefully as, as things progress, that this will be a bit of a, an adaptable living framework that we will be able to update um, over time. Um, and personally, this would be one of these things that I would love to be able to uh, keep, a, keep a toe in for years to come. Wonderful, wonderful. And I think in these hopes and dreams for the future, we uh, will say, Christopher Campbell, thank you so much for joining us today. I truly loved hearing you speak about the progress of the RISE Teacher Education Project. I think what you've done um, is wonderful work, and we look forward to the continuing development collectively of uh, the starting points that you have put out for us. Good luck with the launch. We'll look forward uh, to uh, seeing uh, the website up and running. Christopher Campbell is the Research Program Coordinator of the RISE Project, located in the Faculty of Education at the University of Winnipeg. He is working on his PhD in Education at the University of Manitoba, studying two-spirit LGBTQ inclusive education policy. All right, that's our podcast for today. This episode was produced with the support of the New College Initiative Fund and from Doug Friesen, who is a PhD student at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. Thanks to LGBTQ Family Speak Out team member Kale Reed, sound engineer Lisa Patterson, and musician Doug Friesen for creating the music that opens and closes the show. I'm Tara Goldstein. All the best. 